crazy about you And I know this is fast But I gotta make it last And I just want you to know I never felt this way And I just want you to see You drive me crazy And I don't want you to go Please don't go and stay close Catch me as I fall Deep, deep, deeper for you As I fall Deep, deep, deeper for you Hi, everybody. Welcome back. This is Richard Sachs. We're on Lost Arts Radio and glad to be with you again. And for today's show, to introduce our speaker, our guest, I uh, wanted to remind you uh, back in earlier 2022, when we had Dr. Artis, our friend Dr. Artis on the show, talking about the venom insight into what the initial uh, outbreak of disease that was blamed on a virus could have been. And Dr. Artis was one of the first that was saying, uh, not only was it not a virus, but it was a toxin. Didn't spread like a, you know, even if you believe in viral spread of disease, it didn't look like that, how it developed. And um, it it was focused on certain areas where the, a toxin of some kind was developed. And he found out uh, through the help of a doctor friend of his, that it looked like some kind of venom concoction. And one of his theories was that it could have been spread partially in the water system, as well as by air, by aerosol, and by contact surfaces. Some people had theories that it was on computer keyboards, uh, various ideas like that. But he really felt like there was a component of spreading through the water system. And I and other people said, how could that be? Because water system goes to everybody. And there's no way it could happen. Not feasible. And there was somebody, a reporter, investigative reporter named Janet Phelan, who actually found out that there is a secondary water system that we're not supposed to know about, parallel to the main delivery lines in your municipal water. And you're not supposed to know about that and ran into different uh, obstructions and resistance in uncovering it. And as you probably know, a lot of us have found that there are obstacles specially made for people who uncover things like that, that they have to deal with after exposure. And fortunately, we were able to get Janet to come back on today. Last time was in 2022, uh, I think around in July when she was on last. And um, we're going to see what's happened with her and with further episodes in her investigative reporting, which she does all the time. And uh, she's going to share some of that stuff with us. should be very revealing. So welcome, Janet. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me back on, Richard. Um, We're going to be taking some detours today. Um, uh, I think away a bit from the investigative work and talking a little bit more about um, blowback. And I really appreciate your willingness to to have me on to discuss this because things are getting uh, very peculiar for me. Uh, and you, uh, Janet, you cut out for a second. You said a little bit more about, and then it went blank. Ah, uh, oh well, sorry about yeah. that. Um, about blowback and oh, okay. fallout. Yeah. Um, yes, from from the work I'm doing. And, yeah, that would be um, great to hear about. That's yeah. I, I, I've, I've, 
I, I made a decision some time ago that I was really going to uh, not talk about my personal situation and keep the focus on the reporting because um, there has been uh, sort of a concerted effort now that has been launched against me. And I felt that discussing it publicly would shift the focus away from the work. And I think the work is important mm-hmm. and make it more personal. And I didn't want to do that. And I didn't want also to risk um, contaminating the work with questions about what's happening to me. You know, it just seemed too messy. Yeah. So um, unfortunately, things have have ramped up to a degree where I really do need to to say some things about my personal uh, situation now. Yeah, because, I think it's, it's actually good to make it personal, and uh, I don't think it gets in the way at all, because if people understand that the reporters who are brave enough to get into some of these things are actual people, then they can relate more, and it has to do with their lives too. So whatever you're willing to share is great. I don't see a problem. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I use the word personal, and, and whenever I use that, uh, I think back to the the the, um, the phrase that people used to use in the 60s when they said personal is political. And in this case, it really is. And um, what is what it is now that is happening to me, I use the word personal, but it is intensely political mm-hmm. uh, in, in Genesis and mm-hmm. in 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 its nature. Well, what does what does political mean? I mean, it just means what's going on in the world, right? Right. It's, it's what's it's the development of the power structure and its ongoing war against humanity. Well, you know, political basically refers to power and the exercise of power. Yeah. And um, if the decision is is being made now at higher levels of power to uh, to launch attacks on on individual citizens, reporters, truth tellers, then that is actually uh, substance and subject for for political discussion. And it's just difficult to do. (laughs) You know, it's far easier for me to talk about double water lines and remote control valves. We're talking about something external, which I can describe and point to blueprints. But when I start talking about personal attacks it, it, it i'm not trained you know to 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 to, to discuss such things publicly no. uh, i am trained to be an observer a camera so to speak you know being right. able to point my attention here there and elsewhere and then report on what i find so when i have to switch the camera back on myself it becomes um difficult I think it so, makes sense, though. I mean, if you're using a camera that has a certain experience and conveys things to people, you, it makes sense to know what kind of a camera it is, even if you're talking about yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I'm experiencing um, uh, massive uh, chemical weapons attacks. I mean, that cutting to the chase, that's what I'm experiencing. And um, these... Attacks are being launched through several delivery systems, none of which are unheard of. Um, the, 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 the individuals 
launching these attacks, um, some of whom I could actually name, uh, tend to be uh, either either state authorities or agents of state authorities acting under state instructions. And um, it is becoming actually personally rather dangerous. Um, I, I tend to, to believe very strongly in what I'm doing and, and to try to just keep doing it. And um, I, I understand that these attacks may have several purposes. Um, one might be to, to inhibit me from, from doing exactly what I'm doing. Another might be to make my situation so uncomfortable, personally perilous and uncomfortable, that I throw up my hands and just give up the ghost. Mm-hmm. Um, none of this is in my personality makeup, you know. When Giving did it up start? is not... When did, yeah, it, when did it start? Well, that's... Um, all of this started uh, as a result of the events surrounding my mother's murder and the subsequent cover-up. And it, it does appear that... the. the the um, the my placement in into some sort of uh, chemical weapons testing program, if that is indeed what it is, uh, was exacerbated by my response to all this, which was, you know, sort of outrage and intense yeah. interest and focus on on uncovering and reporting uh, certain kinds of state assault on other kinds of uh, other groups. And um, a- as you may know, Richard, and as some of the people watching this may know, um, I have uh, written extensively on biological weapons. Um, uh, this uncovering of this water delivery system was certainly part of that reporting, but it was certainly not all of it. I've also reported uh, rather extensively on What's happening to targeted populations in in court proceedings, particularly the elderly and the disabled, mm-hmm. and what's happening to them under uh, court authorized guardianships? And along the way, I uncovered that the judges in these cases apparently are receiving bribes and payoffs to throw, to throw the cases. Right. And um, so, so you know, I, I have been able to, along the way, to make some contributions to our, our better understanding of the world in which we now inhabit. And um, I don't think that when all of this started in my life surrounding what was happening to my mother, um, that the expectation was that I would uh, take this path. I think the ex- expectation was that I sort of, you know, wilt and, and, and collapse into a corner and, and become, uh, you know, completely non-viable. Would so, it make sense to explain what happened to your mother? Um, my mother was murdered, and there was an intense cover-up. And um, I mean, was that connected to the work that you were doing? or No, it was not. Okay, it was, it was not connected. More random. Well, I don't think it was random at all. Um, I I think that my mother uh, was was chosen um, as a sort of a sacrificial subject. Um, I go into uh, this 
with documentation, a lot of documentation, and in some depth in my 2014 book, Exile. And, and that kind of brings me into the exacerbation of my situation because uh, up until then, I was getting, I was getting messed with, but it wasn't at the point that it is now, which is really a, a, a rather frantic uh, sort of uh, effort against me. Uh, it, frantic, relentless, continual, it, it's becoming uh, rather amazing. Uh, so, so the publication of the book uh, seemed to exacerbate the pre-existing situation. And I think that the publication of my book on the pandemic in 2021, which is titled the, the, the break, At the Breaking Point of History, also uh, resulted in a ramping up of, of attacks against me. So uh, I just think I didn't respond the way I was expected to. I was expected to, you know, to become immobile and, and, and overwhelmed and, and not expected to uh, work as as steadily and diligently as I have in my profession to keep uncovering and reporting on, on the, the truth and the facts of our ongoing situation. And I think I've made it much worse for myself. Why do you, what, why do you think that in some cases, like with your mother, they just kill the person? Whereas in what you're describing directed at yourself, they don't take the easy route of just sending somebody and killing you. They want to subject you to this kind of torture. What, what makes that kind of decision? It seems a lot less efficient if you want to get somebody out of the way. Yeah, I think, I think that's a very good question. And it's a question I've been asked before. And I've got a couple of different answers to that. Um, first of all, uh, torturing someone and doing so in a way that others are aware of it, and that certainly has been my experience, mm-hmm. um, serves uh, to 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 uh, warn others away from taking the sort of path I've taken. It's like people realize, oh, we can't we can't do that. We might end up like Janet. Right. Um, so. Uh, in that sense, torture uh, not only impacts the individual being tortured, but it sends a wider message mm-hmm. uh, to other reporters, other truth tellers. And, and also, you know, uh, the fact is there have been attempts to outright kill me. And um, I, I, some of those attempts are discussed in exile. Some of them are not discussed in exile. In fact, they managed to kill a couple of other people who were simply not involved in the situation, almost more like collateral damage, um, just in the wrong place at the wrong time. And that's discussed in exile as well. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm not the sharpest tool on the block, but I'm kind of sharp. And um, uh, I was able to step aside, in a sense, um, and remove myself from what were possibly extremely life-threatening situations. Mm. Um, And at this point in time, it's just becoming a a constant. uh, 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 um, Well, I I, want to use the word annoyance, but it's far worse than annoyance. For example... um, 
I came out to uh, another location to do this interview. Um, I don't like to do them at home because my internet gets messed with really badly at home. So, um, and I think that the internet connection here uh, is far superior to mine. So I've left my house and it is highly expected that when I come home, there will be evidence of um, illegal entry into my home. Now, why do they come in? Well, they come in uh, basically, usually in order to to exercise more attacks with chemical weapons. So, for example, um, they, they can uh, spray the floor with a heart attack weapon. So I come in, you know, I come bouncing into the house and and all of a sudden it began begin to experience what could be a heart attack, quickly have to wash the floor. I mean, that's what I have to do. Okay, that's an example. There's also food contamination or other kinds of contamination. I've been very reluctant to talk about this because it all sounds kind of um, uh, conspiratorial and, and uh, possibly uh, a little crazy, you know, uh, that a person would continue to experience these kinds of things. And that brings us to, um, unfortunately, another reason that they may be involved in, in this kind of torture, because they want me, possibly, to talk about this publicly and therefore soil whatever sort of um, intact reputation I have as a non-crazy person. So there you have it. And a non-conspiracy person, you said? Um, non-crazy person. Non-crazy person. Yeah. I've got a pretty good reputation. I mean, my reporting is pretty solid. And and I am reporting on some rather radioactive issues. But if I get the, the reputation as a crazy person, then nobody's going to take my reporting seriously either. So when, that could be when, another aspect of this. When did you first notice that these uh, attacks, like you're describing, were happening? Well, you know, there began to be some some things going on surrounding my mother's situation. For example, um, while she was still alive, I was living in Long Beach, California, and I spent a couple of days in Riverside where I was trying to go to court surrounding her situation in order, um, rather misguidedly and foolishly trying to help her. And so I came home to Long Beach where I was living. I was living in a little house behind a house and I was walking past the front house and I heard the landlady say, oh, she's here. Quick, call the police. I thought, what? So I go into my little cottage and guess what? My cottage has been tossed and and it's obvious that somebody has, has been in there. Now, most people on coming home and finding their place has been tossed. We'll call the police. So I'm thinking, wait a minute, the police are already coming. Now, why would that be? So I start looking around the floor, and there were drugs everywhere, scattered, mm-hmm. little pink pills. I have no idea what they were scattered all over the floor. And I think, okay, the police are on their way here. I have drugs in my house. What the heck am I so? 
So I, 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 I closed the door, I shut all the shades, and I very quickly started scooping and flushing and scooping and flushing because I don't use drugs and I didn't want to be arrested for, you know, planted drugs. Um, in about five to eight minutes, the police showed up. There was a bam, bam, bam on the door, and I flattened myself against the wall and just froze. They couldn't see in. I, you know, closed all the, the drapes and the blinds and shut the door. But right. that was that was one of the, the, the very first such incidents. So did they just go away, or did they wait? They did. They went away. They figured I, I wasn't there, and they went away. And I finished cleaning up the drug-infested mess. Did you did you know the people in the front house? Well, they were my landlords, landladies. Yes, right. But to that extent, I knew them. Not people that you could just talk to and see what was going on. No. <laughs> hmm. And how soon was that after uh, the waterline work? Yeah, it was way, it was before the waterline work. It was way before. Okay, way so before. Yeah. So, so so the work that I started to do, um, the, the investigations and the reporting I started to do, uh, were based on the awareness that my mother was murdered for reasons that weren't uh, kosher at all. And so if this was happening to her, uh, was it possible that there were other forces at play? There were other programs. There were other possibilities for harming other people. And that was the basic perception that impelled me into this work. At the time that the things were happening to my mother, I wasn't, I was trained as a reporter. I'd worked as a reporter. I wasn't at that moment working at all. So I took the, the understanding of what had happened to her and began to use that basic perception to inform other, other projects, other work of mine. Okay. Later. So what happened? How, how did the timeline develop after that? What happened next? Well, um, there were. You mean after the the the, the drug planting? After, after the drug incident, yeah. Right. So uh, shortly after the drug incident. Oh, and we should um, say what year that was too. And that was um, that was. Uh, Late 2002. Okay. And uh, shortly after that, mm. I was uh, physically assaulted by officers of the law in Long Beach, California, and unconscious and in a coma for several days. Wow. Um, I, I, this is discussed in great length in the 2014 book, Exile. Um, I, again, you know, I, I mentioned that that yes, I, I appear to be in some sort of torture program, but there have certainly been efforts um, at various times to to um, dedicated efforts to completely put a stop to what I'm doing, and that was one of the efforts. And amazingly, after several days, I I woke up on a heart monitor in a hospital. 
and um, I had some difficulty getting out of the hospital in one piece. That is discussed also in that 2014 book, but um, I did get out. And, and at that point, I think my life changed irrevocably because I was, I was no longer an individual who felt uh, kind of, you know, safe and, and secure in living in America. I realized that there were uh, forces at play that were very dangerous and very deadly. Uh, I realized that the authorities were no longer um, to be trusted by me and that if I were going to do anything to, to, to correct uh, anything that had happened to me, I was going to have to embark on a path of, of informing other people, um, using whatever journalistic skills I have to, um, to help others to, to get up to the, the speed I was at. Right. Because at that point, um, my life as I knew it was, was no longer something that I could continue with. Wow. So that was... Uh, I was attacked by the police on January 3rd of 2003. So that was 20 years ago. Yeah. And over that time, you kept working on the investigative reporting? That after, after that point, yeah. Um, in 2004, I was working as a columnist for the Santa Monica Daily Press, mm-hmm. and I, at that point, had gotten a tip-off about this, this double-line water system. And I, um, the tip off was, 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 was credible. And I had to, first of all, understand how could it be that one house would get a different kind of water than another house? So I sat down with the engineers and, and, uh, went through, you know, walked them through my tip off and, and, and asked them to explain to me, you know, how, how could this happen? How can you explain this to me in an engineering sense? And, um, I was fortunate because the individuals I talked to were very willing to, to explain to me how that could happen. And so armed with that information, I went over to City Hall in Santa Monica and uh, plunked down my first Public Records Act request asking uh, for a viewing of Santa Monica water records. And within six hours, I lost my job. Wow. The the editor the, the the editor of the Santa Monica Daily Press, her name was Carolyn Zachariason, uh-huh. called me. She was very angry. She left me a voice message saying she had not authorized me to make public records act requests about water. I mean it was very gen- general. I I, I I I claimed no conspiracy. I simply asked to see water records. You know, I, I that's all. So she uh wanted me to know in her voice message that I had uh, endangered her position as editor of Santa Monica Daily Press. She was quite frothing at the mouth. So I figured... Uh, but she wouldn't something. explain what she was saying coherently and say well, why. Well, she was very angry and she was letting me know that, that I had crossed the line. So yeah, I went but over... How? But she didn't say how. By, by asking for water records. Yeah, but that doesn't make any sense. Well, it does if if it does 
because apparently what happened, she got a call from the, from the city attorney's office yeah. uh, telling her what I'd done and how unacceptable it was. Um, See, so that, if this, that doesn't make any sense either, because why would it be unacceptable to the city? To ask for well, them. if they if they had if they had a tweet water system, which they do, if they were trying to hide it, which they are, yeah, uh, if it was actually a weapon system, which it is, yeah, but none and, of that can be admitted. No. So, so why would they say it was unacceptable? Well, Carolyn would never speak to me again, and I was no longer uh, employed at that office. So that was the end of that. Wow. So I, I I understood that I was on to something. So I figured, okay, I don't have the backing of this um, hometown newspaper, but that isn't going to stop me. Right. Um, and so I continued on with my research and the investigation. Now, that was way before any fake pandemics. Way. Before. So why were you interested with no pandemic going on about the secondary water system? Well, obviously, this, from the tip-off I'd gotten, this was a weapon system. Why would our infrastructure be tweaked and reconfigured so it could potentially serve as a, a weapon system against people living in the U.S.? This is not acceptable right. in any free society. And this even, is a very big deal, Richard. Oh, I'm not questioning that. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying the mentality yeah. at the time. Oh, the mentality. This was a new. Time. This was a new idea to you, I think. Right? That it, it was. was yeah, it was. And so the person that tipped you off to it, did they explain to you how this could be used or why it was a? Dangerous? I can't discuss that any further. Okay. Okay. okay, that's all right. So anyway, you just knew that it could be used as a general weapon system. And that was the motivation for finding out what was going on with it, starting yeah. in 2003. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, there is an aspect of my personality that's a bit like a pit bull or a badger. You know, I get onto something and right, I, right. I, I get kind of excited and focused and I don't want to stop. So, Especially when people let you know it's unacceptable to find out about well, it. Well, I mean, really. I mean... I'm a member of the press. What do you mean it's unacceptable to ask for, for public records? Come on. Yeah. 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 That's why I was interested in what the city person had said that would make sense to the editor, you know, of why it was a bad thing for you to do. I mean, what? Well, could, what I, I would love to know. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So you kept investigating <clears throat> and you found other ways besides public records to find out about it. Yes, um, I actually had to develop what I call backdoors because um, the, these Public Records Act requests that were being tendered to, to city authorities were re resulting in, in rather unacceptably uh, 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 inappropriate communications uh, in response. And some of these are archived in my pandemic book at the breaking point of history. For example, that first request, request for public records having to do with water in Santa Monica um, uh, resulted in a response from the city of Santa Monica saying, we don't have any water records. I mean, <laughs> really, really. So uh, another response, which I think is also archived in the book, came from the, the city of Los Angeles, which was a bit of a different response 
they said, oh, yes, we have water records. But because of national security, we have to redact these records. And so we're going to have to create entirely new blueprints for you. So give us a few weeks. Whoa. I mean, every every response along the way wow. was was revelatory as to the 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 radioactivity of the issue that that I was pursuing. The other thing it brings up is the depth of collusion between well, all these different yeah. levels and departments and seemingly separate companies and public agencies and I mean, I think this illustrates, among other things, why we're taught that anybody that believes in conspiracies of any kind other than bank robberies is crazy by definition, because it's so important to protect and black out the idea that the conspiracy is deeper than virtually anybody has any imagination of. Well, the the conspiracy, as I uncovered and have reported uh, in many articles, uh, actually uh, contaminated the the construction of of our legal system and our laws. Um, And I do discuss uh, quite a bit, and I probably mentioned it on your show before, uh, how this Section 817 of the USA Patriot Act uh, kind of uh, blows apart any uh, protections that people may think they have uh, from biological weapons in the U.S. Uh, Section 817 uh, goes through uh, some rigmarole of, of uh, prohibitions against these weapons who can and cannot uh, uh, possibly uh, possess any such weapons. And then there's this final caveat, which states that the... Um, Prohibitions contained in this section shall not apply to any duly authorized U.S. governmental activity. (laughs) And so with the stroke of pen, the U.S. gave itself uh, complete permission to violate its own biological weapons laws. Interestingly enough, they, they did something very similar with their chemical weapons legislation because chemical weapons you can't. Uh, you can't possess, you can't deploy, you can't do this, you can't do that. But then there, are, there is a section entitled exemptions, which reveals to us that members of uh, uh, the, the authorities can indeed uh, deploy, develop, stockpile these weapons. It says that in black and white. And um, on on further research, I I started looking recently at the Chemical Weapons Convention. Uh, Honestly, I'm I'm looking at it directly because of what's happening to me now personally. And I discovered something very weird about the Chemical Weapons Convention, which is apparently that the way it's constructed is it is only... Uh, relating to state parties. Uh, that means, for example, that, uh, if, if Russia, uh, claims that another, uh, country is using chemical weapons against Russia, then that, then Russia can complain to the Chemical Weapons Convention. But let's just say, for example, that the citizens of Russia, uh, start 
claiming that the government of Russia is using the weapons against them. They can't do anything. And, mm -hmm. and this, this appears to be uh, something that is written, has been written into the convention. Now, I'm, I'm attempting to, to right now to engage the Chemical Weapons Convention because I not only am alleging that these weapons are being used against me, I have evidence that they're being used against me. And I constructed a correspondence, an email. I sent it to the OPCW, the Office for Prohibition of Chemical Weapons, which is where the convention is seated. And um, they, they simply won't respond. Where um, is that geographically? Geographically. Um, I do believe that that office is in the Netherlands. Okay. So, yeah, it's, so it's an international NGO, basically. Well, it's not an NGO. It's, it's part of... of um, I mean, it's not... No, because it is, in a sense, it's part of the, the UN... Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, structure of of uh, arms treaties. Now, okay, you know, so 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 you you've got you've got the biological weapons convention, which has absolutely no teeth. It was written in such a way that it has no verification protocol and no mechanism for uh, addressing. Uh, any country that violates the convention. So you have a completely, sorry. Yeah. Is that the one from 1990 that went into effect then? Um, uh, the Biological Weapons Convention went into effect in the mid-70s. Okay, uh, what about the one that was written by uh, Dr. Boyle? He didn't write the convention. He wrote the, the domestic law uh, governing biological weapons, which was then amended uh, through 817, in Section 817 in the Patriot Act. He did not write the convention. Okay, okay. That's often misunderstood, I think. Well, I, I believe it is misunderstood, right? Yeah, interesting. So there's no effective safeguard against biological or chemical weapons legally being used by governments against their own people. No, absolutely not. So let's just say, let's just... Uh, 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 dip into history for a second and, uh, and move it forward into the present. Let's say, for example, that the U.S. starts uh, uh, putting together FEMA camps where they can gas their own citizens. Now, according to the Chemical Weapons Convention, this does not appear to be a violation because it is totally geared to states alleging that other states have attacked them in this manner. Right. Now, this is what mm -hmm. I, I am understanding uh, from uh, reading the convention and consulting with legal experts about this as well. Um, so, you know, you know, all these protections and, and, and all this hoopla and all of this drama around this law and that international treaty, what does this actually mean? It means we've been conned. Right, plus the international legal organizations like ICC and uh, other ones like that really don't have jurisdiction over any country that doesn't agree to be under that, right? Under well, there is that. Authority. Um, but but, the, but, but the, this is a little also... Uh, I've got some questions about that. The ICC 
it essentially was launched, I believe, by the Rome Statute. And so the, the, the countries that have uh, signed on to the Rome Statute mm-hmm. and have essentially signed on to jurisdiction by the ICC. Uh, the U.S. has not, um, and Russia has not, and Ukraine has not, and some other countries have not. But nevertheless, recently the ICC uh, issued an arrest warrant against Vladimir Putin for his relocation of um, Ukrainian children to to Russia. Now, um, aside from the protestations that such relocation was done for reasons of, of securing the safety of the children. I really can't comment on that. Um, the fact is that the ICC doesn't have any jurisdiction over Russia. Right. So it would be sort of like, for example, Richard, let's say I launch an a- action in Tennessee mm-hmm. and I say that uh, you violated, you trespassed on my property in in Wisconsin. I mean, that it's almost like the same thing. There's no jurisdiction. You said it, the U.S. and Russia are not in that jurisdiction. What about Germany? Oh, I believe Germany is. Yeah, because um, there, was a statement, there was a statement by one of the Russian high officials yesterday, I think, and that was that if Putin was to be arrested or tried to be arrested in Germany, it would be considered an act of war against Russia. And that suggested to me that Germany might be under ICC. Probably is. I would imagine it probably is. Yeah. So, um, you know, what I found interesting about this is the ICC seems to be sort of ignoring uh, the jurisdictional issues and seems to be moving in a direction that is politically motivated rather than legally sound and structured. And and that is worrisome uh, in the same way that the CWC is worrisome because you can't report to them uh, actions by states against their own citizens. And, 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 and the BWC, the Biological Weapons Convention, also worrisome because you can't do a darn thing. I mean, you can't. You can't make any reports. You can't get any justification for 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 any sort of uh, sanctions. Nothing. So when we I have a whole. Talking, sorry. When I was talking about these organizations that are not associated necessarily with any particular country, you mentioned that they may be under the UN ultimately, and a lot oh, they of are. organizations yeah. do come from the UN, and it brings up the question. You know, which most people really don't understand the answer to for good reason, because it's hidden. What is the UN? Yeah. You know, it, it's on the surface. The image for the public is a wonderful organization that's supposed to overcome all problems, including war and starvation and lack of resources and uh, any unfairness where somebody's getting hurt by any organization under that facade, the UN seems to be one of the most evil criminal organizations in the world. I mean, from what we can tell so far. What do you think about that? Um, I, I, I generally try not to use words like that. Um, I, I try to focus on what they're actually doing, like 
constructing this big biological weapons convention treaty without any enforcement capability. Like, you know, people can draw their own conclusions. Right. And I'm always more comfortable with talking about the nuts and bolts of, of what, uh, the UN or any of its parties are doing right. rather than describing them as you might have absolutely just yeah. yeah. and you can blame that on me you know you didn't say it but um, <laughs> thank but you I, I, I don't say that lightly I mean that's after decades and decades of investigation yeah. of the global power structure and where it leads yeah. and top levels and what the agendas are why how and when everything is intended to happen and it's in progress now this is my conclusion from investigation not from something mm-hmm. I read and my whole interest at this point, since I think our time is limited, not just in this interview, but in the length of time left for humanity to not be destroyed, uh, I'm interested in solutions. But but the reason that I came to that conclusion is so many interlocking sub-agendas seem to lead back to the UN. And it sounds like you've encountered some of them. Yes, and indeed I have. And uh, the rosy picture that the UN paints uh, for itself is not um, deserved. Yeah. Right. I used to work for the UN as a six-year-old uh, collecting money for UNICEF. Oh, my goodness. Everybody did that at Halloween when I was going around doing it. Mm-hmm. And we thought it was wonderful. It was to save all the children from everything bad and to work for wholeness and wonderfulness and goodness and the American way and basically the same thing that Superman believes in. It was just wonderful. And that was the public facade. And I think when Rockefeller and Associates set up the basis for it, that was supposed to be the public perception, the end of war, figuring out what was wrong with the League of Nations and fixing that in, in version two, which was the United Nations. And what it's really doing, and I think there are thousands and maybe tens or hundreds of thousands of good people working for the UN and for its organizations under it that probably believe that it's all for good. Um, possibly at one time, I think it's getting harder to maintain that perception given uh, some of the recent revelations and activities by that organization, um, you know, the, the, this pandemic treaty that they're trying to construct, the the amendments to the international health regulations, which will rob us of any individual health sovereignty, um, it, the World Economic Forum. I mean, our, our, we're almost getting overloaded now with with information about how this the UN is is actually trampling on us. Right. And those are subsidiaries of the UN, the WHO yes. and the WEF and yes. that, right? Correct. All on the same origin. Yeah, so what, what do you think the public needs to know about the other wonderful organization called the WHO that's obviously to make everybody in the world healthy? Um, right. The WHO is attempting, uh, right now they, there's a two-pronged effort to, um, one is to pass this pandemic treaty, and the other 
is to amend the international health regulations, which I believe came into a force originally in 2005, in order to ensure that should we have another uh, public health crisis or a perceived public health crisis, very or, different, those two. Or, or a um, possible potential, potential health crisis. Potential, right, a potential. Yeah, it, it might not be here yet, but it's lurking in, right. uh, under the bed or in the closet, right? Um, in, in these scenarios, uh, the WHO is is attempting through these two mechanisms to uh, to to enforce uh, an obligatory sort of one health response where we will not have the ability to make our own decisions about uh, our health care, but will be mandated as uh, citizens of the world to uh, line up and drink their Kool-Aid. Right. I want to say something about that because I'm in southern Mexico mm-hmm. and I've been here, I was here during the pandemic and um, uh, there it, it became abundantly obvious to a lot of the uh, people here uh, that if you went to the hospital with pandemic viral symptoms, you were not getting out alive. And um, so a lot of individuals whom I spoke with, Mexicans, uh, decided that their best course, should they get sick with something, was to stay home and treat with native medicine, that's herbal medicine. And I heard many uh, wonderful uh, recovery stories of people who drank this tea or that tea, and I was busy uh, recording what kinds of teas they were drinking and so forth. Mm-hmm. And so this was basically uh, uh, a local response. Um, I know personally, I knew people who got sick, went to the hospital, and died. So um, under these amendments to the IHR um, or under this potential pandemic treaty, and both of these are currently being hammered out at the WHO, you won't be able to do that. You'll have to uh, go exactly as you are told to by the central authority at WHO. Right, and that's because the leaders, the elected or appointed or self-appointed leaders of each country in the WHO have said, we'll do whatever you say. We'll sign up as members of WHO. So whatever WHO policy is, we'll voluntarily be subject to it. Voluntarily, right. Including the U.S. And it, it brings up so many questions, one of which is, with the basic foundation of what the U.S. was supposed to be, can a president or a Congress legally agree to a treaty that violates basic U.S. law or or even more so inalienable rights? And I would, well, say, I would say no, but it's done all the time. It's done all the time. Correct. So, and that's, a, the, you know, if you have to kind of generalize the problem, all these things are either illegally done or they're done under exceptions that were written into the law to make it not apply to government's actions against citizens. In either case, inalienable rights that belong not just to Americans, but everybody worldwide and everywhere 
those are violated and nothing happens. And I think it's, to me, it's suggestive evidence of the existence of a globally coordinated power structure that is not interested in protecting human beings. I think you're right, Richard. And uh, I think the, the contortions that we see our public officials go through when they're trying to justify unjustifiable actions and decisions are a good alert to that, a good clue that um, we're seeing something moving and acting through them that is not uh, something that that our, uh, our basic documents, our founding fathers, however you want to term this, had, had put into place. Yeah. They're contorting themselves in order to accommodate another sort of impetus. So would it be um, accurate to characterize what you've been saying? The bottom line of it is that you're uncovering more and more examples of the existence of such a structure in the world moving against humanity as a whole. And you're seeing a microcosm example of that against you personally. Yeah. Both at the yeah. same time. Yes. And, and, and actually, that's very strongly a reason that I'm coming forward about this, because what is happening to me, as bizarre and, and as usual as it seems to be, is actually pretty much in line with what we're seeing in, in, globally. Right. Against uh, against individuals, nations, peoples, it, it's just another example of that. Yeah. Yeah. So it leaves you at the end with all right. We've got almost eight billion people. Although there's some evidence that population is really being knocked down now, but say roughly eight billion people, and you've got if you trace the power structure through the minions that are just doing their jobs and just following orders like the Nuremberg people were at every level of government and corporations up to the top. And you look for who's running this whole attack against life on the planet. It's a very small number of individuals, families and individuals. And yet the organization and implementation of it is such that we're moving fairly quickly in a not very optimistic direction. So d- does it bring you to the point of saying, you know, the main thing is how how can it be reversed, right? Rather than just continually saying, look at this example, this example, this example, you could go on indefinitely while we're all being killed. But really the point of it is, okay, so what do you do? <laughs> right? Because all these so-called representatives, even the ones that expose this stuff, they do nothing. Like, for example, in the U.S., where we have, unfortunately, political parties, which I see no benefit from at all, and our two main ones called Republicans and Democrats. The Democrats, which used to believe in things like anti-war and freedom, are now satan- openly satanic in many ways, and their followers are just so unconscious they don't even notice it. They just go along with it. And the Republicans play the game of exposing things and doing nothing about it to give the illusion that they actually are different. And the people are there just enduring the results of it, starting to 
talk about it. And there's, you know, freelance reporters and individual reporters that are not owned by corporations and government. And they're talking about it. This is going on. This is going on. And we see headlines in good places like InfoWars that so-and-so was exposed. So-and-so was caught. All these trafficked children were exposed. But the little detail that's missing is it keeps happening. And I'm just curious about whether you've gone through this thought process of noticing, wow, look what's happening. What do we do? And where that's taken you. Um, I go through this thought process every night. You know, I lie in bed and I, and I review the the events of the day and, and some of them uh, oh. I feel good about. Uh, because, you know, I was able to do this or that, and then there's things I just feel... Sorry? I'm sorry. There's things I just feel terrible about, like, you know, why why are these people doing these things, and, 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 and why can't we, we all come together in a way that is effective Mm-hmm. Um, I personally don't know what to do besides what I've been doing. I feel like the the old horse with the blinders uh, on that's just knows the way to the barn, right? Yes, knows the way to the yes, barn yes. and to the corral. So I go to the barn and I go to the corral, yeah. right? And I just keep writing these articles and I keep appearing on these shows and and you know trying to to impress upon people that we're in extreme danger now. And there are certain, um, you know, watch out, look out for that, look out for that. Uh, These things can kill you. And that exposes a pattern. Be aware that the authorities are not necessarily working for your ultimate benefit. Exactly. Right. And and somehow I I have to believe that, that, that these efforts will at some point come to a fruition? What do you think, Richard? I think they will. I'd, I'd like it to be as direct as possible. You know, I, what bothers me is the global magnitude of human suffering. And it's really, to me, it's really simple. I think, you know, people are all members of one family of life looking through the lenses of these different mental programs and beliefs. But if you take those away, the essence of the people is the same, and they've been taught to fight each other and kill each other and hate each other and hate themselves, not only recently, but for all of known history. And we've seen country against country that the history of humanity that we have, even the sketchy part that goes back tens of thousands of years, is all the worst people rising into positions of power and trying to one tries to kill the other before they get killed. And then they get replaced by somebody else who kills them and tries to steal what the people have as much as possible, while the regular people just try to have a normal life under those conditions. And it's going on now, too. It's just with the addition of technology, more advanced technology. So it's possible to surveil everybody incompletely. That's made things very dangerous, and that's actually exponentially increased the risk. Exactly. Because you can't do things privately anymore. I mean, there, there no. is no privacy anymore. No, it saves you some trouble because you don't have to hide because you realize yeah. there's no point. <laughs> yeah, but right. I, 
you know, it's another conversation, but I think the answer is in a level that has only been barely touched on in quantum physics, which is consciousness. And that the only way that every single person walking around with that can be kept unable to use it to its full potential is for us to be hypnotized into the belief that we're helpless. And even if we know about these bad things going on, if we believe at a really deep gut emotional level that there's nothing we can do and that the power structure, you know, is not even worth challenging, can't be challenged, can't be changed, um, then they can finish their agendas, which are becoming quite obvious. And I think that it comes down to waking people up. And one element of that that leads to getting in touch with some of these beyond physical level things are the awareness that you're bringing up in the corruption and the collusion. And, you know, I guess I can't say conspiracy, so I won't call it conspiracy, but it's obviously that on a total level. And I think what your writing has done is make that undeniably obvious. So it's been essential. And I think it's, if you're going to have blinders on for a job to do, that's a really good job to do. And at, at this point, as that continues and you try to hold your life together at the same time, if there's anybody that wants to be supportive, what would you say they should do to help you? Because I think that's a good thing. Spread, for read my work and spread it around. Um, you know, everyone who 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 becomes aware yeah. uh, of 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 the magnitude of the situation we're in um, burns for the light. Everyone, right. Um, right. They, they can't keep the light hidden anymore. The, the light suffuses them. So spread spread my articles around. I mean, not only mine. I'm not certainly not the only one doing this work, right. but share share the truth with each other. Every person you tell, you know. For example, did you know that, that there's a weapon system under our feet having to do with the water? Um, you know, I mean, I've proved it. I've got the blueprints. I've got more. I've proven it. Everyone who knows this now, you know, has the capacity to tell someone else. And I think that's the best we can do. Okay. And where's the best place for them to follow your work? Um, I write for Activist Post. So activistpost.com. Okay. And what about your books? Um, I mentioned, well, I, I actually have four books out. Two are poetry, which I um, is a sort of an esoteric uh, sort of endeavor, which I know not everybody resonates to um my book exile was published in 2014 it um has to do with actually with my journey of awakening it goes into depth on what happened with my mother and why and then how this began to both impact and inform me and that's available at the bookbatch.com and my 2021 book on the pandemic was published by Trine Day and uh, at the Breaking Point of History it's available on Amazon and all the usual sort of book places. So Amazon, what was that other site for the first book you mentioned? The first book is only at thebookpatch.com The, the book patch. Correct. 
Okay. And you had mentioned that, among other things that is being done to make things hard for you, they were intercepting the money that you made from the books. Is that still an issue? Um, yes. Uh, I, I, yes. Um, trying yeah. my book uh, uh, that I wrote for Trying Day, I got a, a $500 advance, which is a, actually rather small in, in book publishing. Right. And um, since then, I have received no royalty checks. Um, when I began to question this, the uh, publisher at Trying Day announced he was going to break my contract and destroy all remaining copies of my book. And that was shocking to me. Uh, I was very polite with him. And so he has he has revamped that decision, but I have still gotten no royalty checks. So that's, that, that's you know, that's life in the big city. I mean, any idea what happened with that? I mean, did somebody talk to him and say how terrible you were, or what do you think was the reason? Um, I think his behavior speaks for itself. Um, I, I politely asked to see an enhanced sales report. And as a result, I was threatened with, you know, him breaking the contract and destroying the books. That's a very uh, unusual response for a publisher. So. Yeah. I mean, I can all be the conspiracy theorist in our discussion. <laughs> you don't have to, but to me, it sounds like, I mean, it's like members of Congress. I mean, in the U.S., they seem to really be controlled by blackmail and bribes and threats to their family. And it, I, I know examples of that. And one or two of the representatives have are actually come out and said it publicly. So the problem that we've got is this typical mafia mentality. And I don't mean to insult the real mafia because they at least have some standards of, you know, they try not to kill too many women and children and stuff like that unless there's special circumstances. But the the representatives that we've got in government um, are apparently told by their real bosses what to vote on, and they don't even read the bills. I mean, they can't because they're written intentionally in legal terms of art that can't be understood anyway, even if you had time to read them. And nobody has time to read them. So these basic issues, even among the reporting entities that are really well motivated and do a great job they often leave the basic problem undiscussed and in this case it would be how can you allow anybody in government any so-called representative in a government that pretends to be representative um, how can they be allowed to vote other than voting no maybe on something that they haven't read in its entirety and understood that should be completely illegal, but it's going on every day. It's going on every day. And when you have mega bills like the USA Patriot Act, which right. essentially uh, destroyed our privacy rights, destroyed our ability to protect ourselves from biological weapons, and there's so much stuff in there, you know, and, and our congressmen voted for it. And, and most people... Maintain they didn't even read it. it. It at least it cleared things up in making it um, obvious that we're all terrorists if we question authority at all. So you've got 
if you want to simplify the situation, you've got members of a mega global mafia in almost all the positions, controlling almost all the power power positions in governments and corporations. And you've got most of the people just totally entertained and diverted from what's going on. So as long as they keep eating and being able to function, they don't question anything, and they're told not to. And then the ones that do question, they run into problems. So um, is there any way that people can be of personal assistance to you and what you're do- dealing with at this point and helping you keep your work going? What What would they do? Is there anything other than just reading your articles and talking about them? Well, I, you know, I would like to suggest that people contact the OPCW and and ask them to please respond to my request for an investigation. Um, but I, I don't know if it'll do any good. I mean, I, uh, I I elucidated the problem very clearly to the OPCW. I elucidated where these weapons seem to have come from and how they seem to have been transferred from a nation that has not destroyed its chemical weapons to a nation that maintains it has destroyed its chemical I mean, it, it was laid out very clearly, and they have decided to simply hunker down and not respond. Um, you know, at some point in time, uh, I may be able to launch a legal effort uh, against the OPCW, but I'm not sure that I even have standing to do so because I'm not a nation, you know. So I guess I, I can get attacked and killed with these weapons and there's not much I can do about it except let people know. And and thank you, Richard, for, for giving me the opportunity to discuss this. It's not easy for me to do and, and you yeah, made it actually, actually very easy. Thank you. I, I hope you haven't found it too a- abrasive the way i'm trying to oh no oh no you've done a wonderful job Um, what about if people want to communicate in a helpful way with you is there a way to do that and reach you directly through the articles or any other uh, contact information or anything like that um my email address um people can contact me directly it's proton i have a proton mail email address that is janet.phalen at protonmail.com. Okay. And contact me there. Okay. I want to write that one down too. I mean, Thank I'm you. sure I've got it somewhere, but Janet.Phelan at ProtonMail, right? Correct. Okay. Um, any kind of summarizing last words that you want to leave people with out of all that we've talked about that you feel is most important to come away with? Well, uh, yes, I think so. I mean, with all this horror that that we're collectively experiencing and as some of us are experiencing even uh, personally, you know, that there's a lot to be said for having a clean conscience. And there's a lot to be said for uh, for doing what one knows is right. And in order for these... Uh, agendas to be to be fulfilled, people have to bend and break their own moral compasses. And I simply want to encourage people not to do that. Yeah. And because even with you know, I, I have a lot of physical distress with these weapons that are being used against me now. But 
even with the physical distress, my 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 sense of who I am in the world and my sense of peace with who I am and how I conduct myself has grown exponentially and nothing can take that away. And I want to encourage people to every day to do the right thing. That would be enough to revolutionize the world and turn it in the opposite direction from where it is now. So I really support that. Thank you, Richard. And thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to discuss all this. I yeah, really appreciate it. Great that you were willing to come. So Thanks. stay in touch and we'll talk again soon. Thank you. God bless. Bye. Okay, you guys, there goes Janet Phelan and uh, brave lady to come on again, considering what's being done to her and what she's worried about. I mean, I'm sure that her attackers will hear about her going public with this stuff right away. And, and I tried not to push her into saying more than she wanted to. And fortunately, she said what she wouldn't talk about, which is great. But you get the picture, you know, of what she's going through. And it doesn't really inspire most people to want to step out of line at all because she's being... I asked her, you know, in the beginning, if you saw the whole thing, why they didn't just kill her instead of taking all this extra trouble and expense to put her through all this torture. And I think she's right that it sends a message to others of us that might want to say something unacceptable, that it's not worth having your life ruined. And that's a strong argument. I mean, it obviously works on all the members of our, con almost all the members of our Congress uh, to varying degrees. And I think, you know, the, the bottom line that we are in a, a situation where we've got uh, this global mafia structure that, I mean, when I took the decades of time to look into it and investigate where it comes from, I mean, at this point, it's, it's okay to be considered crazy to sit, to tell the truth. But, and I'm open to being corrected, but what I could tell from it, from my investigation was that the levels it comes from are non-human and that at the top of the, uh, human power structure are a very small number of families and individuals that are not associated really with any particular country, that they're global in nature and they're satanic in the sense not that, oh, I have a membership card to the religion of Satanism or anything. That's at the lower levels. At the higher levels, it's more experientially real and they're in touch with um, beings that are not in human form. And we've had, I've had conversations with people who have detailed reported exactly what that involved. And they're being told what to do and they're following through in what to me is, you know, an agenda of extermination of life on earth, which is not what I would like to see happen. And not just the extermination, because I'm not worried about where we go after, but what experience you have before you what they call die, that's what can make it hell on earth like it is for so many people now. And I take exception with that. So what Janet is trying to do is really um, heroic in a sense, but just normal in a deeper sense that anybody who really has a picture of what's been going on for tens of thousands of years with almost no break, you know, with history being a series of uh, murder and deception and lies and stealing and uh, torturing and 
I mean, none of it should be necessary because we're just, you know, we're not physical beings. We're just wearing these costumes for a while. And what we do here matters. And we're, we're using positive or negative energy every day in our lives. And we're broadcasting what we carry around with us in a way that's very powerful. So you've got this global mafia cartel that is actually trying to drag everybody down through the stages is what looks to me like ceremonial steps in a sacrifice to wipe out life on the planet. And people only go along with it when we stay unconscious. And so even though they have all these programs like what Janet was talking about, the chemical weapons and, and the biological weapons and the criminal media that we've got almost worldwide now in different forms in different countries and the criminal corrupt educational system that teaches, you know, kids in some countries that are really far gone, like the U.S., to uh, mutilate their bodies and they can be a different gender, which anybody watching is wondering about that. It doesn't work. It doesn't change your chromosomes. And even if it artificially changed your chromosomes, you really wouldn't want to do it. Um, but the insanity is being institutionalized. And so it comes down to a consciousness question, because when you look at the solutions that are being proposed by really brave people like Chris Guy and David Icke and others that are, and Alex Jones too, to a great degree, is saying, this is not to be done by preemptive violence. That would be a real big mistake. It just puts a change in which tyrant is in power. It's not a way to change the whole paradigm, which is what needs to be done. So how do you get mass peaceful non-compliance worldwide? It has to come from consciousness, because if you get a certain level of awareness, which really doesn't have to get too far up, you reach a point where you cannot follow insane suicidal orders. You don't want to lose your job, and you don't want to lose your money, and you don't want to be assassinated or anything but if you're told to you know take part in the torture and killing of other people um or poisoning of the world or you know developing new uh vaccines to kill people and ruin their immune system or new gmos or you're told to to keep your lucrative media job you have to tell lies and say things that are going to hurt people or make them hurt themselves, which is a typical theme, you can't do it. You don't want to suffer or lose your livelihood or, you know, be ridiculed or anything, but you can't follow these things. So how do you change the consciousness, not waiting for some time in the future where everything's going to be fine, but, you know, can you make it better now? Or question comes up, are things so solidly and concrete, you know, predicted for the future that we can't make things any better now, you know, just in how we treat each other day to day and moment by moment and what kind of thoughts you take, carry around with you, whether you're internally, subconsciously condemning yourself constantly, which always reflects in how you treat other people, or can we really make a change? And saying that it's possible doesn't really do anything. I mean, it's like the show me state slogan, right? You have to do it or it doesn't mean anything. It's just a slogan and it's just uh, making yourself feel better by saying everything can be better. But can it? I think that's 
in all of our hands. It's in your hands if you care about this stuff. And in our, whoever we're reaching with this video, and if you care about the work that Janet's doing, and ultimately care about what it means, like, you know, can you do something to change it on a world scale, or you're just one person out of 8 billion, though they're trying to reduce that number pretty quick now. But are you one person out of billions that can't do anything, and you're just helplessly caught in this hell on earth until God saves us at the last minute? Or can you do something today, now, to make it better? And I don't know in the sense that it hasn't been proven on a big scale, but I have the feeling that because of who you are, you can. And the the program of all programs behind these global conspiracy cartel mafia has been mainly keep those humans unconscious. Because if they ever wake up, even a few of them, let alone the big numbers, like in the movie, what was it, Ants or a Bug's Life? I think it was a Bug's Life when they said, the grasshoppers were saying, if the ants ever wake up, they'll realize that they outnumber us and they can ruin the whole system. In our case, it's not entirely dependent on numbers. It's on quality of consciousness because it's like Einstein mentioned that in one atom, there's enough potential locked up energy to recreate the whole universe. And from what I've seen, that's nothing compared to what's locked up as you, in you, as one point of consciousness. You're not an inanimate object, and you're not necessarily subject to the hypnosis of the global rulers if you don't want to be. So, however you want to work on your own awakening, I support you doing that. What we're doing on uh, Planetary Healing Club is uh, trying to work on that in a supportive environment to change, become aware of and change the emotional world that you walk around in and, and come to realize that it's voluntary. You know, we're trained to say if a certain thing happens on the outside and there's all kinds of tragic stuff happening every day now, then you have to feel helpless and terrible. And what it turns out is that that's actually not true. Yeah, the emotional world that you choose to live in is voluntary. And if you learn to make that conscious and focus it, not only do you become incapable of doing really harmful things to other people like we've been hypnotized into doing, but you start to affect other people, even if you don't open your mouth. And that's what I want to see spread. So if you're interested in that at all and you want to explore it, uh, you're invited to be part of it at planetaryhealingclub.com. If you have questions about it, write richard at lostartsradio.com. General questions can go to info at lostartsradio.com. And uh, I want to remind you to support the work that Janet's doing. And read. she wanted you to read her articles. And she gave you her email address at the end. Remember when I was asking her, you know, if somebody wants to help in what you're doing. And it, I mean, this is taking a risk on her part, but she's obviously seen like we all are by the global power structure anyway. So there's really no way to hide from it. And if good people want to help Janet and she's being really, uh, you know, harassed and, and harmed financially as well as in all other ways, uh, Janet.Phelan and it's J-A-N-E-T dot P-H-E-L-A-N uh, at protonmail.com, P-R-O-T-O-N 
mail.com and there's you know the idea is that proton mail is a little more private than some of the big uh, not only gmail but the other ones too but they thought that about um signal and some of the other apps for communication and they've been broken by some of the most criminal elements in the world which are government agencies and corporations so might as well save the effort don't worry about hiding just like janet said do good you know don't don't hurt other people don't disrespect people um treat them as yourself in another form because on a much deeper level they are and uh and if you want to join us in trying to do something in an organized way by working inside yourself in a, a focused manner with group support then you're welcome to join us if you want to at planetaryhealingclub.com it's been in beta stage since 2018 and I wanted to see whether I was going to disappear physically now or not. And it looks like maybe I'm not going to. So we're going to really expand that invitation to people anywhere in the world. You don't have to be in America or in the Western Hemisphere or anything like that. If you're interested in transforming your own life through consciousness so that these things become natural for you and you start to know the influence in a positive way that you have every day on everybody else around you, then... I'd like those rare individuals who are ready to do that work, whether you're in Africa or Asia or Russia or China or Mexico or South America or any Canada, America, wherever you are, uh, check out planetaryhealingclub.com and it'd be nice to have you there. We'll see what we can do. And instead of claiming things, we'll say, all right, time to show me. And that's what we're doing. Anyway, thank you. I'm sorry I ran over time as usual. Janet.Phelan uh, at ProtonMail.com and her books are at Amazon or at uh, what was the other one? It was in, uh, I don't know if I wrote it down. It was in, in the talk. But the other one is the one that's blocking her money anyway. Look for her books to, and listen listen for the detail of where to get uh, the second book. It was Exile and uh, the other one is the one I'm not remembering, but they're both in the recording. So Thanks for being with us, and I really am not doing this to just give you some low-grade entertainment. It's it's to try to let you know how important you are, not just as one of billions of people, but as an incredible God-connected person yourself. And all this power from higher levels can flow through you, and you don't have to create that. You just have to get rid of the blocks, ego garbage, mind programs, self-condemnation division with others and and let what's real flow through and if you do that the whole negative torture of humanity is over and i would suggest we do it as soon as possible so thanks for your contribution of energy to the world i really appreciate it honor you and uh, we'll see you again soon crazy but i'm crazy about you and i know this is fast but i gotta make it last and i just want you to know i'm not
never felt this way And I just want you to see You drive me crazy And I don't want you to go Please don't go and stay close Catch me as I fall Deep, deep, deeper for you As I fall Deep, deep, deeper for you Stuck in an ordinary world But now you came along And butterflies are flying The spark that we make There's no use denying And I know this is fast But we gotta make it last And I just want you to know I never felt this way And I just want you to see You're jumping crazy and I don't want you to go Please don't go and stay close Catch me as I fall Deep, deep, deeper for you As I fall Deep, deep, deeper for you Deep, deep, deep for you As I fall Deep, deep, deep for you Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. 
Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 